0: you're listening to the google ads podcast brought to you by solutions 8 the google ads agency awesome man so if i add an audience list website visitor list hey thank you (laughs) if i add an audience list website visitor list to feed only pmax will it dynamically remarket so the answer is yes it will use it as a hard target but the expansion opportunity will take over from there. It will take over as expansion opportunity. So what this means, you've added it as a hard target and I burned through with that audience list. Now it's going to cold traffic-esque that audience signal. What that means is it's going to essentially say, okay, I've, I've looked at this as a remarketing. Once it goes through the remarketing though, it doesn't just stop there. It doesn't just say, okay, now I've marketed and the campaign just kind of goes dormant. Or what it does is it uses six channels to go try to find people that look like that and may succeed and may fail. You can use it as an asset, a in an asset group so yes it will target those people but just know that once it burns that audience it will go completely cold and will not tell you if that audience that is retargeting or trying to track as an audience to go after now is decayed and it's got way more impressions and clicks from other areas and it's going to dive into that so just know that that is something that will happen regardless so what Pmax essentially does is, let's say, search dropping YouTube GSP Discovery Display. Find an audience, and that's the audience signal that you give it, and it burns through that one and says, okay, now I'm going to help all of a sudden spike YouTube and try to find more people. That's why all of a sudden you're wondering why like, the YouTube views go from like 2,000 to 78,000 in two days because the area that it was finding those users has decayed, and now it needs to go and generate its own audience. So just know that that's something that will happen if you do decide to do that. Fairly safe if you add it as a signal inside an asset group along with other asset groups. So this way, if that one decays and burns out and you have other campaigns or other assets and signals that are asset groups and signals that are performing well, you'll just see less clicks going to that asset and you can turn it off if you'd like to. Alfred, if you guys were going to do lead gen for real estate investors, let's see. Julian's helping me out when the customer's gone. Cool. I don't know if Julian doesn't actually become the host. It will do it for me. But right now I think it's locked. I can't click on anything. So hopefully that'll work. Hopefully we'll be able to highlight all of your chats soon after Julian leaves. So Julian, if you want to hop off. Let me know. I'll see if this works. (laughs) If you were good for real estate investors, would you do PPC, no PMAX, or YouTube? I would absolutely do YouTube and then inbound search, actually. Inbound search, you can still define to an extent the intent. If you're looking at people who are looking to property in a specific area, that is something that can be very good. You can turn on a nationwide campaign, but then also use geographical city names as a keyword and use exact or phrase. I'm in, here in Nashville, Tennessee, and I might run a nationwide campaign or campaign targeting, let's say like New York, California, some places that are having kind of a mass access to this, and that might be something that I'd look to track. So I can bid fairly low CPCs, I'd probably run it manually so I can control my position. But if I would run, let's say $3 CPCs for people looking for investment properties in Nashville. So, hey. <laughs> I was trying to do my best doing this by myself, so I'm glad you're here. I answered your question. If we were going to do a lead generation for real estate investors, would you do PPC, no PMAX, or YouTube? I said inbound search and YouTube. And one of the reasons why inbound search, I run a nationwide campaign manual, low CPCs, bid low, and then bid a exacter phrase match on geographical locations. So I was saying, I'm in here in Nashville, Tennessee right now. And if I was going to be doing this for Nashville, I'd look at New York, California, areas that have a high amount of exodus of those areas that are having some either problems, taxes, whatever may prompt them to move or want to invest into different areas that are more up and coming, run a phrase match for investment properties in Nashville. I can capture those people that are nationwide looking in Nashville, go outside and it's much less competitive because now your wide-reaching is going to keep you in a lot less competitive ecosystem than in the location. So I'd run that first, and then I'd also run YouTube, but also at a very slow burn. YouTube is going to be more of a brand awareness. I would actually want to have high locations. So don't just be like the whole United States. Do it either by city by city or do it by state by state. Maybe even say, hey, where am I actually finding pockets of opportunity? Make sure that your call to action is very easy to jump over that hoop that they have to jump through is very simple. Don't fill out like a contact form to talk to an investment specialist today for YouTube. YouTube would be like, get access to the list of properties we have. Perfect. That demand is to say investment properties in Nashville they can execute on that and you can follow up with them as you wish. But also on YouTube, if you're just saying like, Hey, we have a ton of properties here in Asheville. We're adding 10 new investment opportunities. We're updating it frequently to get access to this exclusive list for free. Write your inbox and update it daily. Just click this, click this link and fill out the information. And we'll put you right on the list of highly accredited investors, people like you, I and mean, whatever Maybe may be. Make sure that it's an easy hoop to jump through. Don't ask for merit. 0.2 frequencies on average to capture a actual conversion. So make sure that it's low hanging enough that if they see Two YouTube ads, they're going to take an action. Is there some kind of synergy if you were to run PPC and YouTube ads for the same lead gen? Sort of. So, most often, what you're going to have is more overlap with the brand name rather than kind of the typical cold traffic keywords. I'll use an example. If you're going to be doing real estate investors and you were saying you have kind of a tagline that you're always using a like golden properties in Nashville, you might have people that are like typing in golden properties in Nashville, but you're buynashvilleproperties.com you're going to have more people that are going to be Googling your brand name than those cold traffic keywords because they're like, oh yeah, I remember there's people that do actually can buy these like golden properties in Nashville. Like that's going to stick with them. Whatever sticks with them is what they're going to Google. What I would make a good habit to do is run a brand campaign and a DSA campaign, an observation setting of the people that watch your YouTube ad. So watch the YouTube video as an ad. That's an audience you can create and overlay that in an observation in your brand campaign. Second, run a dsa campaign to your entire website by targeting the people who saw your youtube video as an ad pains one is going to observe the people that saw your ad and google the brand name and the other one is only going to target the people that saw your youtube video then google the cold traffic keyword that matched anything on your website bam
1: yeah okay i see dave oh. asked last week john indicated that if standard shopping was producing okay results consider running feed only pmax alongside it as pmax does more remarketing and standard more cold outbound. Does it apply to restricted categories as well? Currently running standard ETA and some DSA and looking for ways to increase retargeting, thinking of putting 15 to 20% into PMAX feed only.
0: So if you're already, let's just see, in your restricted categories, it depends on the restricted category. But here's what's interesting. If you're running ETA, change those to RSA immediately. You're going to get them just a better ad rank. And Google's already ignoring ETAs anyway. So if you're still running ETAs, absolutely switch that over. I've seen like 40% increase in lethal from changing over an ETA as a standard operating procedure, regardless, just do that. But if you're looking for ways to increase retargeting, yes, I would run. I would do this. I'd run a feed-only PMAX campaign. If you have a previous smart shopping campaign, upgrade that to a PMAX campaign that actually works a lot better than just a standard PMAX campaign that's doing feed-only. So launch a standard shopping campaign that has been converted to a PMAX or convert an old one, doesn't matter which one, as long as it has some sort of activity in it. Once you convert that into a performance max campaign, then strip all the assets out. And if you can't strip all the assets out, which means if it's like, hey, this is the least is required, build a new asset group, elite deal asset group, that's actually truly a feed-only, turn URL expansion off, and then use a Rose or TCPA where your standard shopping may not have it, or at least one that that's higher than your standard shopping. That will actually help you do a little bit more remarketing and then see if the search categories will start to give you some cold traffic as well.
1: John Rolo. John asks, if you've been asked this before, feel free to skip. What are the differences between PMAX feed-only and smart shopping campaigns or standard shopping campaigns? Does feed-only remarket? All right, standard shopping campaigns are now shopping campaigns and search
0: campaigns. There's no such thing as just shopping-only campaigns anymore. Google forces you to be on the search network as well. That is one click to the website, and you got one of them, then they're gone. Meaning if you don't have something to remarket them, that campaign will not remarket. So that's what standard shopping does. Inbound click, direct response, one and done. A feed-only campaign and a smart shopping campaign are exactly the same. If a smart shopping campaign and feed-only campaign are exactly the same. If you take a smart shopping campaign, upgrade it, then strip out all the assets by either removing them from the asset group. And if you can't, some can't, you have to add a new asset group with nothing in it, then delete the old asset group, then turn off your expansion. That much turns it back into a smart shopping campaign. New performance max feed only that has not been upgraded from a standard or smart shopping campaign. You're running an inbound search on DSA and shopping at the same time. And if you have URL expansion turned on, it's basically a wide open, entire website DSA campaign, the campaign in one that does dynamically remarket not only its own traffic, but everything else that you're driving to your site, including social traffic. So that's the differences between
1: those. You can't turn a PMAX feed-only campaign into a smart shopping campaign. You can only have a smart shopping campaign that was upgraded and that you keep as a smart shopping campaign.
0: Yeah. By only using zero assets, no URL expansion. Do you think Google will stop feed-only PMAX, kind of defeats the purpose of PMAX? No, I don't honestly think it will. The only way that it would do that is if you couldn't develop a new asset group without any assets in it. Google did have that in the beginning. Then they got rid of that. They allowed you to actually create an asset group without having any assets in it. The only way you can actually upload an asset group with nothing in it was be a Google Ads editor. And then Google Ads was like, "Oh, actually, you can start now a asset group without any sort of assets in." So they gave us the ability to run a feed only, which I thought was really weird because I would thought the same thing. It kind of should be going the opposite direction. I think they're doing this also because topic safety is going to get a little bit haywire. So I think they're just trying to give us all the available opportunities for us to utilize but that's a little tinfoil hat type of thinking there for me any updates
1: but, any updated thoughts on preparing for black friday cyber Monday with pmax campaigns yeah i would actually not prepare instead of <laughs> <laughs> Would actually not do that <laughs> yes don't do
0: anything i would use other opportunities for this i would look at youtube and discovery so I say do this for black friday cyber monday now but just know that discovery with feed only not feed only i guess but discovery with a feed, which turns into kind of like feed only discovery is now a thing that is actually going to support your PMAX campaigns alongside with YouTube. Warming up traffic, my opinion would be to warm up traffic, with, use a title card on your discovery with feeds, send them to landing pages that are more affixed to being building that hype with new products that are going to be released soon with the prices coming down, yada, yada, yada maybe join a newsletter on that landing page that you're sending that discovery feed with the with card to those pages. But my opinion would be to not necessarily do much to your performance max campaign unless you wanted to a remove your tcprt roas get a little bit more aggressive in your spending you're going to start warming up that traffic that's going to have a low roas first because it might take two three four weeks for them to convert or maybe that they're waiting for black friday seven monday so don't just throw out all the future profitability and warming that traffic up but get a little more aggressive and warming it up you can change your asset groups headlines that is actually something that i have not really seen to be detrimental unless you're running a low spend campaign so when you're spending like two three five hundred dollars a day you can actually change your headlines with a fairly minimal loss google's Best practice said start a new performance map Friday, several Monday products, but not only until the sale, but that's only when the sale goes live. I disagree. I think that's too long to warm up a brand new PMAX campaign. I'd rather just change my current one. I mean, your headlines and your descriptions are not going to be damning enough to really tank anything, but waiting two, three weeks for a new PMAX campaign to show the conversions in the attribution model like data driven. For them to actually be included in that campaign is going to take some time, meaning that if you have campaign A, that gets reduced, and campaign B, they get started, they're still the same users, so you're getting half the conversions in a row as it looks terrible, it's not scaling as fast. Unless you wanted to switch everything to the last click and then switch it back, it's just too much a headache. So my opinion would be to change your current PMAX asset group skills, or at least like coming soon, but it depends on if you're going to be sending traffic to a new page that you built, or if you're just trying to warm them up. Start to spend more without a TCP or TROs, let the campaign learn on some newer traffic, get them into the funnel, which means just pixel them. Essentially, you get the dynamic remarketing user in your e prod ID. Then start to change your asset groups and then hit it hard. That'd be the, probably the safest bet.
1: Theodore, I have a client with a website similar to Upwork and Fiverr, hiring freelancers. And every time I make a search ad, it gets restricted for employment. Is there something I can do about that?
0: No, I actually lost a client because of this, but... Google took a really hard restriction on employment. You cannot target a person based on employment and not even in your ads. It's actually even on your website. You can still run, like, we're hiring for keywords and phrases you're not allowed to say on the site that I have not had enough experience to identify them all. So you can't say stuff like, we're hiring, but you can say, like, work with us on every single page on your website ever. So go through all your blogs. Like, that's one example. So Google won't allow you to target a person based on them being unemployed, and that's up to the discretion on what they think unemployed means. Are you going after them because they're unemployed and you're offering a job? Or are you saying that you need to fill in a spot on your team? But it's nebulous as to the exact word for your entire website in order to comply. I think it's worth it if Google is just going to be your only channel. Work with your Google rep by saying, I need to change this, but how do I make this sound good? And if you don't have a Google rep, it's a long, hard road for sure. Like I was saying, I got lost a client. We couldn't figure it out. It just kept coming back. After three months, it just went away. It went away on its own after three months. And the client actually called me. He's like, why are we spending so much? I'm like, we're not. What are you talking about? They left the campaign on after they took it back. It's like, well, hang tight. And so just shot up and spend because that restriction removed three months later from the website changes and then it came into play. So I don't really even know that campaign started to work. But Google all of a sudden just said, oh, okay, well, this is now finally close enough after three months of no changes. So it's going to be difficult.
1: Like you said, it's a long, hard road if you don't have a Google rep because it's a long, hard road if you do have a Google rep. <laughs> at least you feel
0: like you're going somewhere, <laughs> pumping up for traffic or take the 10 mile longer route. But like you're gonna get
1: there at the same time. <laughs> it's like you're lonely, but then you get Jar Jar Binks as like a companion and you're like, oh I'm better alone. <laughs> Ryan, new member, thanks for being here, buddy. Appreciate you. Dave Fogle. I'm messing with Sharpspring, boo. They have an option for frequency capping and impression pacing. What would you recommend for both? I'm not sure inside of Sharpspring. Sharpspring has to have some sort of ad management software, I bet, because they've actually rolled out their own attribution tool too. Dave, Sharpspring sucks. Go to go high level.
0: Man, let me just give you a general thumb. Impression and frequency pacing is based off of your time lag and your conversion path. It's the only thing I can guide you on. And also what your CPA and your goals are, essentially. If you're like, hey, these people take a month before they convert, don't set a frequency or impression unless you look at what the typical good performing campaigns, impressions, and frequencies are. I couldn't predict how many times a person needs to see an ad before they convert or how long it takes to convert. So that's based on how long someone takes to convert. We would say this is a good idea. I can't do it the other way around. It's kind of a car before the horse. Unfortunately, I don't know that yet.
1: Jettil asks, have you tried PMAX New Customer Only? How's their performance?
0: I have tried it four times and I didn't get any better results. And all it did was kill my campaign volume by about 56% on average, if I remember correctly. But what I saw is that because we can track conversions, Google has stated that it won't be able to identify everyone that's new and repeat because of technology limitations. They didn't give us a number. Is it 50%? Is it 10%? No one knows. What we have to do is say, here's my customer. They have a 60% match rate. Well, that sucks. And then we have to say, okay, now how about these people here? Are they new and existing? And they say, well, based on the 60% match rate, you have 80 new customers. Okay. Well, then when we looked at the back end and it was like, yeah, 50 new customers, 30 returning. It didn't change anything because Google couldn't, it was exactly a new customer. Whatever your match rate is, is going to be how accurate that, Hey, I got an only 90% returning customers and an only 10, it'll help you. But if you're somewhere around the 60, 40 split, 70, 30 split, I don't think it's actually going to do anything for you just yet.
1: Theodore says, congratulations on the Marketer of the Year Award. For those of you that don't know, John, we're on third place for Marketer yeah, of the Year. I did, I think awesome. you were four or five votes away on second place. Did you know that? Yeah, And it was his error. <laughs> yeah, that pisses me off because we've got 80 employees. Like five <laughs> of them need to get a good talking to. And then Theodore also mentioned John and I are both speaking at Adworld, which we're excited about. Go buy your Adworld ticket. Luxury Blades is asking about Adworld being one of the top conferences. I got to be honest. I think they deliver when you take the amount of value you get for the cost of the ticket Because the names, it's the same names you see everywhere. You know what I mean? Ralph Burns, Molly Pittman, Seth Godin, John Moran. You're seeing like real badass marketers all giving real badass talks, but it's a fraction of the cost because it's entirely virtual and we're not affiliates. So I'm a big fan of Bad World. Yeah, it's great. Suzanne, do you think we'll eventually be able to add negative audiences on Pmax?
0: I honestly don't think you ever will, only because Google is going to warm up all that traffic in order to convert. And Google's trying to become its own funnel, which means it is going to find, impress, gain interest, earn visits, remarket, convert, and then reconvert all within one campaign. And what you're asking Google to do is to take 30% of its efficiency away from something it's designed to do. Google as a whole will not do that. Google will allow certain people to do that reps that will do that for you it's the death of performance max honestly because that's what smart shopping was running on and so they can't say hey let's warm up all this traffic and then once they convert make sure analytics says it was direct they're not going to do it
1: then asked specifically about audiences created in ga4 i imagine that doesn't change the answer much no, GA4
0: is, eh, it's getting closer. It's
1: trying to. It's but I mean, you
0: can't to, add no- negative audiences that were created in GA4. I see you're saying, no, no, it's not applicable. And even the reps are actually starting to like push back on. No, they're just not going to do it. They'll argue with you for an hour. We had this one company that had like such a horrible name. I can't tell their names. I want to expose them. But it was like, let's just call it like uh traveling. I don't know what it's called. Like traveling. I don't want to say it too much, but it was two words that together no one would ever say in their life. But then they argue with me. We're like, well, that's a word. So these are both words. So people could sometimes Google those, try to basically say like, hey, people would actually type in the word Uber, but not want the car service because that's a word. I'm like, who's going to type in Uber if they don't know the car service? They're like, okay, we're just now all of a sudden dumbing our sales. Like, That's a good exercise, Google. Thanks.
1: Amjad asks, how do you reckon the people who browse websites similar to custom segment works? What Google usually does is kind of take what they call latent
0: semantic indexing and understands the theme of that website so that it also corresponds with the themes of other websites. So... Categories, generalizations, outdoor equipment, hiking, tents, camping, those things. Don't get too granular with it. But if you're looking at people who visit websites similar to, let's say, Bed Bath & Beyond are interested in home good and closest you're going to get. Not be like, oh, people that are looking for like sheets on that web. Nope. Just people that visit that website also have interested in like wanting to buy something for their home and or bedroom and or bath. But don't go too crazy with it.
1: My Google rep looked at me funny when I told her I set up a feed-only asset group and nothing else. (laughs) And then... When you say that you're getting an average ad score of good,
0: <laughs> that is also really funny. Be like, hey, my ad ranks good. And I don't have an ad in there. They're like, I don't know what you did. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How? What sorcery is this? Amjad, <laughs> recommended audience signals for PMAX when selling a product that's new and unknown by many. A drop shipping product, for example. Are on recommended audience signals for PMAX. When yeah, selling what do you do when nobody knows the product exists? It's awareness. Don't go to
0: PMAX. Heavily inbound. Yeah, it's going to try to get as many content pivots from shopping and search, and you're not going to be able to control much. So, if it was, I would do YouTube and discovery feeds and discovery.
1: Live tweeting this right now.
0: I like that. Yeah. What you're basically going to tell Google is hey, you have no audiences for this. You've never seen this before, and you don't even know what it is. Maximize conversions. (laughs) (laughs) So funny.
1: Maximize conversions. It'll spend your money for sure. Saba, Saba asked in PMAX slash lead gen if the budget is not generous to allocate for PMAX, is it okay to group multiple signals in the same campaign? Or right, so lead gen campaign. Yeah, wow. lead gen campaign. Well, and Saba, I think I might misunderstand the question here because the PMAX is separated by asset groups. So you're going to have multiple signals in one campaign, but the signals are separated by asset groups, right? Are you asking, are we bundling signals by asset groups? For John, do yeah, you hear so- something I don't hear?
0: No, I can see it. The only thing that you're going to find out too is with the different asset groups, your insights tabs are just going to kind of tell you what end up being matched. Now, over week over week, though, going to take place is not necessarily simply because there's a different signal, but there's a massive overlap in those signals, and whichever asset group was simply chosen at the time to to be captured is going to show. So, for example, if I have two different audiences, there is an overlap between those two different audiences. A lot of times very consistently. So let's use our constants. People that are interested in lead generation dentistry, or like people that are interested in x-rays and dental cleaning. Like those are dental x-rays and dental cleaning. Cool. So now we have dental x-rays, dental cleaning. Take those people and say 99% of the time, the same person. Okay. So now that we know that to be the case, when you look at your insights, you'll see like, Hey, that one search category matched 17 asset groups. Why? Cause it's all the same. Everybody qualified. That's what Mm. they're saying. It doesn't mean that it was that, that asset group, that is what was qualified for dictate? what's inbound search. There's not much that's being dictated. What you're basically saying is which RSA on an inbound search won. It's not PMAX, it's not asset groups. It's now basically been whittled down to inbound search and which RSA won inside that asset group. Was it based on the signal? Not really, they're too much overlapping. But into the other asset group, was that an amazing moment? No, it's just, they chose that ad group said, Like why would they choose one combination of headlines versus a different combination of headlines? That kind of what it boils down to. For PMAX lead generation, I usually kind of just bundle everything into one and and the flow of traffic through there is not segmented at all. It's about 99% overlap between them all. And if you had like 10 asset groups, I would challenge you to find an asset group that has nine or eight or less. When you have a search category, it's going to be nine or it's going to be 10. And when you click on that asset group, you're going to find out which did it come in from, track that week over week. And if that changes, just know that everything's kind of being grouped into one.
1: Garrett, what are your thoughts on the new automatically created assets update in Google Ads?
0: Yeah, I don't mind it too much just because, and Gert and I are good LinkedIn buddies. He's awesome. We go back and forth with strategies. He was the one that actually said like, hey, get your rep to actually add a negative keyword list to PMAX, And then you control the ads for the keywords inside of that negative list. That's already a tie. Oh, the to- list can be dynamic? Well, yeah. So instead of going to Google and be like, can you please add these five keywords to this Performance Max campaign? He goes, have Google take the negative keyword list and then apply it to your performance max campaign, then you add and remove the, the list. list. And I was like, oh, that's live tweeting for sure. <laughs> oh, for sure. shout out. He's awesome. We wrap back fantastic. Great. You need to start a YouTube channel.
1: Drop your Twitter handle into here. Is it just Garrett Groot? I'm assuming it is.
0: Yeah. But awesome, awesome, very smart person, but I don't mind the automatically generated or created the reason why is I haven't found those types of situations to be detrimental. I know that you and I were talking about this on LinkedIn where we're like, great. Now we're gonna have to let the client know why the not approved assets are actually in live inside their accounts. I did a little bit of digging and actually was kind of looking through it fairly thoroughly when there's a page that is from a URL expansion. What Google has said, essentially did is says, okay, what's your ad copy? My ad copy is. We do Google ads. It's the only thing that we do and Google ads is the best. But then we have a blog on Facebook. And so your expansion on sends person that Googled Facebook versus Google. And it goes to our Facebook blog that we have. Well, they don't want to use the ad copy of we do Google ads. Google is the only thing we do. And we do Google. They want to have it like, what's the difference between Google ads and Facebook? Like it's essentially pulling in the dynamic headlines and descriptions and assets and and imagery from that page in order to make sure that if they're going to send you to a page different than what's in your asset group, at least the headlines makes about 2% of the time. So I was okay with it. But unless you're seeing something different, I haven't really seen much differences in my landing page counts, I guess, inside of my ports
1: aaron i have a service-based company that does massage i have swedish massage deep tissue massage and couple massage and gift certificates online should i do pmax with three, these three services i'll
0: give you the answer if we can barter
1: <laughs> <laughs> john wants deep tissue
0: massage <laughs> oh yeah so my opinion if you're looking at local i would honestly do search first have
1: we tried pmax's new local at all has anybody tested that we don't really yeah, have local Caden, clients. Caden, Caden has. Is trying, Caden is trying to hack it.
0: <laughs> of course he is. He's doing like where it's like just GMB. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's brilliant. But then it died. My Dude, opinion. that's genius. I know, right? So far, what we've been able to see, and I predicted this on like three weeks ago or whatever it was, I think local's dead. They, they didn't include local inside of Performance Max. Performance Max inside of like a local campaign. They basically was like, okay, cool. So here's your location extension into Pmax. I think they just pretty much got rid of local. Like you could. But can't they have local specific conversion actions driving directions and that's what i'm saying like you just got you got like a location extension of google my business that local was running on so um sort of it's like you have all that inside of PMAX now, where you also have YouTube, GSP discovery, display, search. It's now just attacking everything where it's like, hey, I just really want to run a local campaign. It's like, nope, been on every keyword on search now too. It's like, shit, I don't
1: need all that. It's weird, it's so So, inconsistent because they took smart shopping and put it in PMAX. They took DSA and put it in PMAX. you think they'd take local and put it in PMAX, but instead they just killed it and gave us some of the local features.
0: Yeah, that's pretty much it. Like the local by itself was not anything spectacular. It was really just a good map campaign. It's like old school Google map campaigns. So they basically just added that to Performance Max. That's all they did. I would say go search. The problem that I would say is, <coughs> yes, if you had the big enough budget and six months and let this thing really learn and grow and gain as much user base as you can, then absolutely run it. If you're like, hey, I can't really spend more than like 5k per month and I want to be very specific, I still go search. Broad with... TCPA. So this way you can at least not overspend and but still be themed correctly. Like you might be bidding on like local Swedish massage and some of them might be like, you know, Swedish massage near me. Even phrase match would capture that. Using a TCPA is going to control your costs. That is a few weeks to kind of learn. But I think that the problem is with local campaigns instead of performance max, it's what I was saying in the beginning. I don't think you're actually here for it. If I have six channels and I'm learning local, majority of your inbound conversions are going to come from search. That's just usually where Pmax goes just foremost. Once that's restasis, stasis or if that demand drops a bit, or what you show up for drops a bit because a competitor came in and started up, upping its bids, it says, well, forget display. that channel.
1: Display, YouTube. <laughs> exactly. It's like, well, I'm going to still spend the daily budget, just not where you needed to go. Quick departure that I think is valuable. I did an interview with Patrick Gilbert, Adventure PPC. You know Isaac Radansky? Yeah. His agency. So Patrick's his COO. Freaking brilliant dude, bro. We've got a video coming out on our YouTube channel with him, but he's got, I forget the name of his associate. He's got somebody that works with him that the analogy he gave with pmax it's actually the exact same thing that happened in the big short with the mortgage tranches. So they took all these bullshit loans. And they bundled them together and then they sold them to people. And so Google <laughs> took all this bullshit traffic and they bundled it together. And like hidden within the bullshit traffic is like some good traffic. So you do, you'll get a conversion, you'll get a call. But they're like, it's like Ponzi scheming traffic. But it's, I don't know, man. I just thought that was like such a phenomenal way to look at it. It's exactly what's happening with PMAX.
0: You know why I have to give Google credit though? Because their <laughs> stupid strategy, they just automated. They're like more clicks equals more traffic equals more conversions. It's like not on display, but like. Yes, it does. Yeah, like, we'll see. I know. Yeah, we'll it test it with like, your money. You know, it's like, well, how many conversions did I get? You got seven. Where'd it come from? Could have been displayed.
1: <laughs> Guess.
0: <laughs> it definitely wasn't searched like you thought of
1: That's <laughs> so funny. I'm Judd. Google automatically creating assets for you based on your website. Content seems like such a win. What could be the possible cons of this? From what I understand, we can add assets and Google will fill in the gaps. So it seems like a win-win to me. Thoughts?
0: Yeah. Agencies are going to have a bigger problem than this, than anything else. Like it's like we have to build like a spreadsheet that gets approved by the product manager. gets approved by the marketing team, the sales team, the higher ups. And then we finally get to use that. And then three days later, we get an email that says, John, why do I see an ad that was not approved by the six members of our team? And I got to be like, well, it's not under our control anymore. And it's like, hmm, that's where we usually kind of get the pushback. That's like, they must be just messing up and lying to us. That's the bad part. But the good part is, yeah, it should be fine. There's not a really big issue with it. It usually uses your website data anyway to guide itself. So if you hate your website, you're going to hate the automatically created assets, but shouldn't really I happen.
1: I was going to say if you hate your website, you shouldn't be driving traffic to your website anyway. Exactly. Corey <laughs> Lindholm, lots of Amazon advertisers trying to get clients to use Google Ads to send traffic to Amazon with its newish referral bonus program. Would love to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah, Amazon advertisers is trying to get clients to
0: use Google ads to send traffic to us. I don't know what the June referral bonus program is. Do you know
1: what that is, Custom? I have no idea. I haven't heard of that. Didn't Amazon what? sunset their attribution product? Like they were trying to give us attribution at one point, and then they were like, we quit. Screw it. It's still working. I mean, it's really
0: lackluster. It's almost like click on that ad. Yes, 237 times. What I sold? Two. Why? That's it. These people click. Two people bought. What they buy? Oh, no.
1: No clue. <laughs>
0: right. So it's basically just a link to conversion so Corey, if you can let me know what the june referral bonus program is thoughts on it but i'm not sure what that is i know that we do send traffic to amazon to increase organic rank but it doesn't sound like the june referral bonus program
1: evan using pmax shopify symprosys to add users to an audience i don't know what symprosys is are there any other tools mm-hmm. for tracking that should be used or is the shopify google api enough should server side and gtm need to be set up
0: Server side gtm compared to the shopify and i think that you're saying that the tracking
1: Oh, Simprosys is just feed management. It's just data management for e-commerce.
0: Yeah, now when you're saying tools for tracking that should be used, or is the Shopify Google API enough? Are we talking about users like dynamic remarketing? Are we talking about-
1: Attribution.
0: Tracking conversions. Yeah, let me know if tracking, tracking what? I wanna make sure, because the shopping API connection will actually transfer back to you user data. And I think that's what you're talking about when you're saying server-side GTM, but you can also have server-side GTM for conversions. So let me know what you're thinking there.
1: Corey says that Amazon's offering a 10% bonus of the sales price on sales generated from non-Amazon marketing efforts. Oh, God. That That's just looks kind like of insane, whole... dude. That's like traffic it's... arbitrage. Well, this just looks like a brand nightmare. I was just going to say that. Like brand <laughs> nightmare for everybody but us. We should do this. <laughs> no, we shouldn't totally no, do that. No, this is a bad We're idea. At... Corey. I won't, won't call you later. <laughs> uh, what can you say about the update? for YouTube targeting getting off of custom targeting. What does that mean? I'm I don't know sure, what that means, Jetley. We use custom targeting all the time. Yeah, Jetley, give us more context and then we'll come back to you. Mike, if you're doing campaign management for competitive SaaS, high CPCs, I'm talking 13, 14, et cetera, what bidding strategies do you suggest? I would actually still run manual until you finish this one cycle, then go into automated
0: bidding strategy depending upon the LTV of the cycle. And here's a cycle you're marketing for SaaS. SaaS sales are going to have a conversion rate between who did and who did not complete the free trial and become a sign up user. That sign up user is worth way more than the CPA of the free trial. So knowing what the campaign that actually generated the converted after free trial user, that campaign is make and if you're spending enough time having high enough frequency ignore where the cpa is of the free trial actually mark that as a secondary but your primary conversion action should be the free trial user that turned into a subscription so pay subscription the paid subscription user depending upon what that's coming in at use a maximize conversions and then throttle that by tcpa be very careful though, because the point of click from point of conversion is so far gone that you're gonna be like, hey, remember two months ago, Google, when you brought that person here, don't do that again. So we're working in two month cycles in an automated bidding strategy. Something done on day one and wait 60 days to have it be correlated over here, but maximize conversion will just get super aggressive for the people that turn into those conversions and those people that look like them. So my opinion would be run manual equally, depending on your campaign hierarchy, find out what brings you not only the most amount of conversions, but the most amount of conversions that turns into a CPA but a higher conversion rate means a lower CAC potentially. So once you import that from clicks, from the people that actually convert into a free trial or to a paying user, then say, okay, where did that come from? And then if you have enough more than like 20 a week, then use that as your primary conversion action, certain trying to maximize conversions and then reduce spend everywhere, reallocate to that campaign and go.
1: Suzanne, do you have a preference on conversion tracking, adding the code to the site or importing from analytics?
0: absolutely google type manager adding it to the site importing from analytics will lose about 40 ish percent of your conversions on average the last click same day conversion so if you have a person that google can identify coming to the direct traffic one day it's like well i came directly to the site google ads does not get any credit don't send their analytic conversion to google that was direct where they come from oh yeah they had a google ads click three days ago Reading
1: that late on breaks what a great name any ideas on strategy for b2b service that's local and somewhat emergency based managed it on a low four digit budget we actually have that exact client.
0: B2B service that's local and emergency based.
1: What's the emergency based and B2B? I don't think B2B emergency though. They actually might not be with us anymore because they sold their business. They were here in town. They were a young couple. What industry? they do emergency IT. So it's like if all of a sudden your servers blow up or whatever, they will sprint the hell down there. Yeah, I can see that. So B2B doesn't need to be B2B if the search terms are B2B enough. I would say like
0: server room on fire. Well,
1: you don't have a server room in your house. But if you're like,
0: hey, I only do plumbing emergencies for commercial real estate, that's not going to happen. Right. There's going to be like, plumber
1: now going so exact match search here right it's just well i would say that but i would actually do long tail broad so for example
0: four digit it's like 2k per month and we're competing against other plastic surgeons in chicago and we're getting 80 dollars cpas and three dollars cpcs because we are doing long tail broad
1: you're just going to increase the cost needlessly long tail broad is going to give you potentially the same search traffic but at a decreased cost
0: yeah, and you get the oddities. And that's the only way this is gonna work. Cause if you're looking at like a, and Dave says $14 in a high CPC, I agree. Like so some CPCs are like 150, <laughs> but it's high enough if you have a thousand dollar per day budget or thousand dollar per month budget, because that's what, $33 a day and $14, dollars you get two clicks. So what I normally will see is if you can do long tail broad, it'll allow you to get the oddities at much 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 cheaper so for example this plastic surgeon in chicago i'm going to use this term that they're not doing and i can't of what we're doing with them but let's just say we're talking about like eyelash extensions we're not but that could be something it'd be cost of lengthening my eyelashes two dollar click one click one impression one conversion two dollar conversion like woo you know easy i didn't have to bid for per eyelash 40 dollar cost per click to be number one I got the long tail of someone that was looking for a cost and actually scheduled an appointment. I'm not saying that happens every time, but I don't know a way to get competitive without doing it that way, honestly. So hopefully that
1: works. David Leon, do you find too many people focus on ad setup and one-time sales versus longer term bottom line enhancers like increasing AOV, a focus on LTV, email remarketing, omni-channel diversification, et cetera? Every time, David. Every time. <laughs> well, here's the
0: thing is they usually come with the, they come on board with those type of goals. Even during the sales process, we investigate the other part. And a lot of times it's not only that they have a bad LTV, but they can't have a good LTV. Like there's some expensive kind of niche products that people are only gonna buy once every 10 years. That's why mattresses cost two grand. If they bought a mattress every three months, those things would be 250 bucks, but they make all their money because they're not gonna buy on it for another 10 years. So same thing like that, those type of industries. Yeah, If we usually don't take on clients that if they have like a low AOV, and we can't increase the AOV, and they're not gonna develop any new products, and they only really want that, and then they have a really bad profit margin, then we usually just can't take them on as a client. It's going to fail. It's not a matter of if, but when. We usually find that if you have a halfway decent, good. Halfway decent AOV, high competition, no LTV, bad. You're going to pay for the traffic. It's simple math. Like, we all learn this in first grade, but then half us ignore it for some reason, that you can't spend more money than you make on a sale. And it's a competitive ecosystem. So you can't buy the Ferrari if your max bid at the auto auction is $6. Not going to happen. It's just we usually have to look and investigate them. Can we? How can we? What have we done before? What have worked? Would we be able to? Do we have the to do? then we usually take a while as a client if all those align?
1: Ato. Hey, hey guys, I have a question. I have a client with local business, Flowers. I'm mainly using only search campaign. Any reason to try PMAX?
0: Yeah. So PMAX, and if you say local business, if your conversion is in-store traffic. Or online sales, I'll give you two different answers. If it's in-store traffic, you're going to have better luck with Pmax, but you're not going to be able to track it. It's online. Definitely Pmax. If you say I need to track it or I'm hired to track it, search. And then run calls. So the call extension. And then make sure you track your calls. But it really depends. It says, hey, we're right down the street from you. You're not going to be able to track anything, really. I mean, you'll get some calls, but your in-store might be way better. But knowing that, usually PMAX is much wider reaching, especially local. So it's like if you had to search out a YouTube, GSP, Discover Display, all within 10 miles, you're going to do better than just search, for sure. But if you need to track it, like, no, 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 I need to track that type of really, what were the search terms used exactly on this day? Maybe search might be better. But I still would recommend PMAX if you can sacrifice some Clear data,
1: you'll have a better reach. Don, if our top selling item accounts for 36% of all sales, the next four top sellers 17%, and the next 40 items 15%. Should I put all the products into one PMAX with one asset group feed only? Something Don that you
0: may have already done, and I can't tell if you have or not from this comment, but it is extremely important. Selling item accounts for or items account for 36% of all sales. Is that from Google or is that from e-commerce and analytics? Those are two different metrics. What I mean is that if your top selling item accounts for 36% of all sales, does that mean that 36% of Google has converged to that product? And if so, was that product actually sold? Google is going to force more people into a product click that leads to all sales of all products, not clicking on that ad and buying product B. Very, 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 very important. Interrupt a flow that you can't see inside of Google. If product A earns a click and they buy product B, product A looks like it's sold in Google because it says that was the ad click that led to a conversion with a conversion value. If you look at analytics, go into your conversions, e-commerce, product performance, and overlay the campaign ID as a secondary parameter, and you see that that campaign ID is also selling 36% of that same product, then yes, I would split them out. But if it says, hey, sometimes 20% on that product actually buy something else, then you can't split it out. Not yet anyway, until we know... Why? A lot of times you'll split it out and you realize everything went down and then you put back together everything goes up. It's just because people are just, Google's forcing that ad in and people are buying everything else on your site.
1: Dave, did you decide what the correct page search fraud number after reading that SCJ journal? Yeah, it's in the journal, Dave. It's the report is, it's anywhere between 20% and like 37%, but it really compelling article. If people haven't read it, it's in our YouTube library. So what you're saying is we actually give you 30% better ROAS. <laughs> Dude, it's crazy. There's a company out of Israel, a uh, data security company, check.ai, massive billion dollar valuation. So they're not small people. They went through and did an analysis across all their clients, thousands of clients on the amount of traffic that's actually fraudulent. Here's the part that pisses me off. The way that you check for fraudulent traffic is not hard. They have all these multivariant little tests. Like one of them is, does the cursor go directly from point A to point B or is there a human intervention? That the little, 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 little things but they're able to determine within like close to like 99.99% efficacy, whether or not traffic is fraudulent and they're saying 40% of all the traffic is fraudulent. And I'm just like, why dude? And they have a billion dollar valuation. Google has a $1.4 trillion valuation or whatever it ends up being. They could do that, but they don't. And it's shocking to me.
0: You're basically saying is, Hey, do you want to lose 40% of your ad? That's
1: exactly right. I do I don't even think it's the, av- it's the revenue that bugs them. I think what they're afraid of is the minute they actually stop this bot traffic, everybody's data is going to drop. You know, the number of impressions, the CTR, like all that's going to go to hell in a handbasket. So I actually think Google could eat the funds because on a long enough timeline, this is an antitrust suit. And I should be careful saying that because I don't want Google to go eat my lunch. But like, what else could it be? There's tens of thousands of advertisers that have paid for traffic that is now being proven fraudulent. And Google's sitting there just like continuing to send the shit down the stream. It's like when a
0: prosecutor gets busted for like planting evidence in a case. And it's like, well, now every case you've ever worked on has to be reviewed. And all of a sudden, Google's like, not only would all of our traffic go down 40%, I'd also have a mass exodus of people that are willing to leave. And then I'm going to get a whole bunch of people to ever say, like, well, can I get my refund? It would be right. the death of Google to admit that. That's,
1: it's interesting, man, because I don't see a way God out of this for them. What is it? The, the chickens are coming home to roost? <laughs> all they do is just move their house. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I think what Google's going to do is try to silently figure out a way to combat this and then just deny it none, the whole time shredding papers and burning evidence and be like, no, 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 that never happened. Like, we got to figure
1: this out quick. Fire in my server farm. <laughs> Look at that. We're generating traffic. Sean, <laughs> what are your thoughts on XR advertising? I don't know what XR advertising is. I don't know. Yeah, let us know what that is, Sean. Forgive us. Neither of us went to college. Corey, thoughts on client management around this? If a client wants to send, tr- and what Corey's referring to, by the way, is sending traffic directly to Amazon. What do you do? the client wants to, man, I need more information. We've lost every client we've ever done that for. You realize that because we've had a bunch of clients. Oh yeah. If it's exclusively that, we've had a bunch of clients like, oh, just drive it to Amazon. It's fine. We totally understand. We'll give you the conversion lift. And over a long enough period of time, they always fire us.
0: The client wants to. Well, that's what I'm wondering. Is like, is the client wanting to go and try to build campaigns around getting the 10% referral, or is this? I'm not sure. When you say client, something I on Amazon. Yeah. Why would the client want to drive their own traffic to their own website to get their own
1: temper back? I guess. I'm not sure what the benefit would be why a client would want to do that. Yeah, tell us what you mean, Corey. We've got two minutes. Here we go. I've been running YouTube Tofu ads for the new product I spoke about earlier on Facebook. The same videos work really well. YouTube nada, and Google has in-market audiences highly specific to the product too. I've been running YouTube Tofu ads for it. The new product I spoke about earlier, okay. On Facebook, the same video works really well. On YouTube nada, and
0: YouTube has in- How are you measuring YouTube specifically? YouTube is not necessarily click based. And if you're looking to say, hey, there's then 10,000 people that saw the ad and only five clicked on it, but there's 350 other people that saw the ad and converted. Remember the Facebook works well because they're counting views and clicks. So counting views and clicks on YouTube, then it's gonna look bad because you can't count a person that saw an ad five times, then Google the brand name and clicked on it organically and only give that to Facebook but not give that same credit to YouTube. If you're not, when I say credit, I mean, like, don't just assume that's happening, too, but investigate that and say, "Hey, I've actually looked at the direct by isolating both channels, the direct traffic back from it. I'm also running a brand campaign of people that saw my ad on YouTube, they can Google my brand name. And I can see the overlap of that observation audience from people that watch my YouTube ad specifically. So what steps have you done to proven that not is what I would be curious of. Because if we, YouTube, yeah, it sucks. My cost per conversion for us is $4,000 for Solutions 8. But how many leads did we get in the last seven days?
1: Dude, and some of the best leads we've ever gotten.
0: Yeah, like it's it's maybe capturing 10% of what we're actually getting.
1: Thanks for listening to the Google Ads podcast. For more ways to
0: grow your business with Google Ads, you can subscribe to the Solutions 8 YouTube channel. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And if you'd like to work with the best Google Ads agency in the world, you can visit Solutions 8 at sol8.com.